Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming on WCEV1450.com. For those of you who are new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. You can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you will find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at. If that's Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Okay, fam, uh, we are really, really excited and, 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 and pleased and, and honored to have joining us on the phone for this edition of Radio Islam, Councilman Bashir Jones of the Cleveland City Council, uh, who was just uh, victorious in his election November 2017, becoming the first Muslim to hold that distinction uh, in the state of Ohio. And we are just, uh, just, just pleased to welcome him back. Assalamu alaikum. Wa How you doing? I'm good. I am really good. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to such a prestigious radio program. Thank you for all the work that you're doing, brother. Amazing work. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Now, let me ask you, because you have been putting in uh, putting in a whole lot of work. Uh, and I see you follow you on, on Twitter uh, and I see just the, the activity uh, that, that you have. I mean, you have really hit the ground. Running. I guess you were running before you hit the ground. So, <laughs> so talk to us. Talk to us a bit about um, the the transition from campaigning to now serving in the city council. Um, what has that transition been like for you? Well, I'm gonna tell you, man. There is no difference uh, if you want to stay in your position. You're always campaigning. Mm. You're always campaigning. The campaign never stops. Right. So, I think now the, the difference. And being in the position is I went from being a candidate to being the incumbent. So right. now I'm considered the incumbent. So mm-hmm. there's more resources and more uh, opportunities um, for people that are, quote, unquote, incumbents. But as far as campaigning goes, man, um, now we just have the resources financially, really, and the power of the seat mm-hmm. um, to be able to do some serious work. man. As soon as I got in, the first thing that we did was establish a food pantry. So... Every month, man, we feed uh, over 2,000 people. Mm. Over 2,000 people are fed. Over 30,000 pounds of food are given out. Um, and this is phenomenal, man, that, that if, we, if you want to change a people, you, you, can't, do it without, you can't do it without feeding them. Right, absolutely. You've got to be fed. And uh, I think this is extremely important. And as we look in the Quran, man, you see plenty of situations where uh, you had the people asking the prophets for food. Yeah, because you can't really become your best self if you're not eating, if you're hungry. So yeah. this is the first thing that we established. Right now, we're also working on establishing a free clinic, a free clinic. Mm. Um, so this is really exciting. Um, we're working on legislation right now around human trafficking and gun control, and also the decriminalization of of, of marijuana. Mm. Okay. So uh, these are the things that we're working on right now, and I'm, I'm really excited about. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I should have to speak uh, just to that last point, that last initiative, the decriminalization of marijuana is one that um, even for for those faith communities that might look at that and say, well, we don't smoke. We don't we don't condone it. We have to recognize from a systemic um, from a structural standpoint that that enforcement of that particular um, uh, law has been one that has disproportionately affected black and brown, poor communities in particular. Uh, it, so it's yeah, a responsible you know, thing. We, yeah, ma'am, we get into this conversation about marijuana, you know, and I've sat down with teachers and scholars, and there's many differences of opinion in that regard, but there's no differences of opinion in regards to justice. Right. And, and medical and, and marijuana itself has been used to criminalize black and brown people. Mm-hmm. And whether a person smokes it or not for health reasons or recreation or whatever the case may be, we all can agree that, that black and brown people are disproportionately in the jail cell as a result of it. And now you have all across the country states that have sent our people away and locked them up for marijuana 
are now the same states that marijuana has become legal. Yeah. So now you have a multi-billion dollar industry being created off of marijuana, but at the same time, at the same time, the same people who went to jail for selling marijuana and who have a felony, now they can't even benefit from the fact that marijuana has now been legalized and and now it can be sold. Isn't that something? Yeah. My cousin went to jail and had a felony for selling marijuana. Now he can't even benefit from the fact that marijuana is legal. I mean, this is, this is injustice, man. And, and as a Muslim, as a person of faith, wherever you come from, whatever you believe, you have to see this injustice clearly. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's something else that I want to, uh, to bring up. And I was really, um, I was really inspired. I was, I, yeah, I, I would say I was inspired to see the way you handled. Um, and, I, and one of the things that comes with politics, I guess I have to set this up a little bit. One of the things that comes with politics is uh, even though you are there to serve, you will always find those who are self-serving and your your desire to serve is going to be met with resistance. Uh, so you have people that will, you know, they will come at you in all sorts of ways. And I know that there was um, there was an effort to, to go for a recount and, and, and folks that yeah, didn't want recall. you. Yeah, recall. I'm sorry. And uh, I was reading your response to some of the folks who who were voicing uh, concerns. And your response was, well, uh, and I'm paraphrasing you. You know better what you said. But the response I, I recall reading was, well, I, I'm looking forward to sitting down and addressing concerns of, of everybody, right? Because I'm here for, you know, for, 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 for the ward. And I thought that that was, that was really emblematic of the type of um, uh, spirit and leadership that we want to see, not one where, you know, you get people coming at you and you say, well, look, okay, you know, I, I'm, I won and, you know, get over it, you know, deal with it. Uh, so I just wanted to really just kind of tip my hat and just say that I really felt like that's the kind of um, that's the kind of example that our elected officials need because you're always going to have people that are discontent, uh, uh, discontented, and um, yeah. yeah. So just just really uh, just appreciated that 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 example. Mashallah. Yes, sir. Mashallah. I've come to you, man. I've I've grown to become that. I've always I haven't always been that. Mm-hmm. Um, never never been the type of person to be to brag or bodacious or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, this specific group in Cleveland, they've been trying their best to give me big headaches. But as we've told them and, and others, it's a democratic process. And for all of those who um, who have a desire to see me out, if there's concerns, then let us let us let us help address these concerns. Mm-hmm. If there's if there if, if you're serious about wanting to make this community better, if if you truly want to make this community better. Then you and I, we're gonna we're gonna come to an understanding. But yeah. if, if but if you don't like me because I'm Muslim or because I'm black or because I'm man or or whatever other reason that you decide not to like me, then then that's then then that's not a good enough reason to um um you know to bring about these problems and these issues. So and or and 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 all praise the you created, they were unsuccessful. They didn't even turn in any signatures. Right. So the people so the people spoke again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people spoke again. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So I, I'm sure they got the message now. So. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> so you have um, you have had an inspirational effect, in particular, not just with um, uh, with the older generation, particularly with the younger uh, generation. Can you talk about how you're relating to this next wave of leadership that's going to come? Um, that that uh, that you will be instrumental in helping to develop. Mashallah, this is something, man. I- so interesting you asked this question. Today I'm going into a restaurant, and a young brother, he had to be about 25 years old, he said to me, you don't remember me, but you used to come to the Juvenile Detention Center and speak every week. As mm. a result of your words, it changed my life. And now I'm a father of three, and I never have been back to jail as a result of it. Mm, you know, I'm thinking about this, uh, and all day, just has been on my mind because I'm like, wow, man, God has chosen me to assist people that he was going to assist anyway without me. Right. But he chose me. He chose you to do the work that you're doing. He chose others. And I think that 
it's a beautiful poem, and within the poem it says, you must be able to walk with kings and not lose the common touch, and not lose the common touch. So I come from where they come from. Right. I've experienced what they're experiencing. And I didn't have a lot of people close to my age who came back to me and spoke to me and gave me good words and said, hey, you're going through this right now, but it won't last. It won't last. Your pain won't last. No one said that to me. Right. So I had to learn that on my own. So when it comes to young people, I really have an affection for them. I have a serious affection. I have a serious love story when it comes to them. Mm-hmm. Because they're so amazing, but they don't know they are. It says that it's, it's, better to re- it's better to build a child than to repair an adult. Mm. So we have to start with our young. We have to encourage them. We have to love them. We have to speak life into them. We have to let them know they are amazing. They're phenomenal. And all the pain and struggle that they're going through is not meant to break them. Allah is not trying to destroy them, but he's building them. He's building them. Right. And it's very important. So for me, you know, I recite poetry. I rap. That's like my bubblegum flavor medicine. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I don't, I speak the language. No matter who I'm talking to, I like to speak their language. If I'm speaking to the elders. I speak about the past, mm-hmm. which was their present at the time. Yeah. But if I'm speaking to the young people, I speak about their present. And I speak about their future. I try to speak the language of the people, man. No matter where I'm going to, whether I'm in the White House or I'm in, or I'm in, you know, in the hood, or I'm in the barrios, or I'm in the favelas of Brazil, wherever I am. Right. I want to, but in, in order, and this is what the Allah said to the prophet, son, that He sent every prophet and to speak. He sent every prophet with the tongue of its people. That's right. But what does that mean? Does that just mean language? No, that's understanding the culture, understanding the struggle, understanding the people that you're dealing with. And when you understand their issues, then you can, then it's not meant for you to give them the solution because the issue and the solution is in them. Right. Socrates said that I am to my student what the midwife is to the pregnant woman. So our people are pregnant with the truth. God has already given it to them. Mm-hmm. They're pregnant with the solution. So what we have to do is not teach people our greatness, but to show them their greatness. Right. And once you show them their greatness, then they'll come up with the solutions to their own problems. Yeah. You don't have to give it to them. That they will I was own. Talking to, I, was mm-hmm. on a, I was on a panel. I was on a, not on the panel, but I was in City Hall. And the committee that came to talk to us, about black infant mortality. I'm and sorry, could, could you repeat women. that? Could you repeat that? Uh, I think you faded out a little bit. You said the committee came and talked to you so all a, about... So a committee came, mm-hmm. this, committee, this committee wanted to speak about black infant mortality. Okay. But the committee was a group of white women. And I said, with all due respect, I appreciate the fact that you all are here and your, and, and your mission to help our community... But do you think that we are are not capable of finding our own solutions? Do you think that black women don't have the intelligence to figure out the solutions to the problems that their babies are going through? Mm-hmm. But this is the mentality of people. So instead of us trying to be someone's savior, we should be striving to be their lovers, striving to be their brothers, their sisters, their friends, and help them see the greatness within themselves. And at that point, they'll find their own solutions. Hmm. Inshallah. Very Inshallah. So speaking about how you embody uh, these different these different uh, roles, right? You can check a few different boxes, right? As an African-American, as a Muslim, as a male, um, and as an artist. Um, uh, when you now being a part of uh, city governance, when you are in these spaces with other people, your colleagues in that space who may not share that same, those same uh, experiences, same viewpoints. How do you, how do you relate those things? Uh, how do you incorporate those things into the, uh, into that deliberative process of of of, uh, of coming up with policy, of of representing people that may they may not necessarily be as familiar with. This is very important. Can, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. You're fine. You know, it goes back to first understanding who people are. When you understand who they are, where they come from, 
you first relate to that. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I'm giving a speech and I'm talking to people, I first want to learn about them. I'm speaking to the Jewish community. If I'm speaking to the Jewish community, I'm not going to say Merry Christmas. I mean, it's just rude. Right. If I'm speaking to the Christian community, I'm not going to say Allah. I'm going to say God. I'm going to say the Creator. I'm going to say, I'm going to say all of Allah's names. Right. But I won't say Allah. I'm not going to say anything that's going to separate me and them. Mm. I don't want to separate them from me. I want to talk about my mother because we all love our mothers, don't we? Right. We all love our mothers, so that's going to relate to people. I want to talk about how cancer, you know, is the reason why my mother is no longer alive. That's going to relate to people. I'm going to discuss, you know, my children. I'm going to discuss love. I want to discuss justice. I want to discuss things that all humans can relate to and understand. And therefore, if I do that, then no matter who I'm speaking to, people will be able to relate to them. Mm-hmm. So the key to the key to our success when you're trying to reach people is you must connect to them. And if you connect to them, connect to their hearts, connect to their struggles, connect to what they're going through, and you speak from your heart and speak from what you're going through, then people will people will open up to you. People will listen to you. But but if they don't feel connected to you, then they don't hear they won't hear anything you have to say. Very important. Hmm. Okay. All right. That makes absolute sense. Absolute sense. So you mentioned in the work that you're doing now, the things, uh, but the food pantry, you're looking to open up, uh, begin a, a free clinic. Um, how have these things, I imagine, I know how, they, how they've been received, but I just like to hear in your words, how have they been received um, thus far by your, your constituents? It goes back to what you, what you, what you just recently asked me, mm-hmm. because don't nobody care that I'm Muslim or that my wife is Muslim or that my children is Muslim and they wear full hijab mm-hmm. when you see in them. Don't nobody care about that. Right. Don't nobody care that... Nobody care. Can you help me? I'm suffering right now. I need a job. I need housing. I need food. Can you assist me with that? Mm-hmm. That's what I find. That's what I find so powerful is that when a human being is suffering... They don't care who is ending their suffering mm-hmm. as long as it ends it. That's the most important thing. And that's why Muslims have to get out and be a part of this society and stop being a marginalized community. Because if you're not willing to fight for someone else mm-hmm. and to speak up for someone else, then who will speak up for you when it's your turn to be oppressed? We're right. seeing that right now. Yeah. We're seeing that. Yeah. That's what we have to get back to, which is the which is the true reality of 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 of, of, of community building with the nation of Islam engaged. In. This yes. is the Sunnah. Yes. This is the way of Muhammad. So, Lord, peace and blessings be upon him. That is his way. To start with your family, start with your tribe. Don't start with the people overseas. Don't start with people. Uh, uh, you'll penetrate them later. Later, but right. you have to first penetrate within your own ring. Mm-hmm. Before you can, before you can do anything else, let, let me ask this. This is really important. Let, let me ask this, um, Councilman. Is there um, is there a a heightened or a renewed sense of cooperation amongst uh, faith com- uh, communities uh, in in your estimation? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that question? Is there have have you have you noticed a an increased uh, desire for cooperation amongst Cleveland's faith communities uh, in, 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 in their diversity as far as them coming in and, and joining together to, uh, you know, to, to be a part of that uh, upliftment of, 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 uh, of the community. For, for sure, for sure. I, I, and I think it's always been that way. I think the faith community has always led the way in regards of bringing justice to the community. But I, I think the faith community has also played a role in uh, the increasing of injustice as well. But but particularly in Cleveland, mm-hmm. I, I work with the churches, I work with synagogues, I work with everyone right. to, to, to bring about 
justice in the community, whether it's the killing of Tamir Rice, the murder of Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. or it's about feeding, you know, 2,000 people, whatever the situation is. You know, um, the faith community plays a major part. This Friday I'm doing a 1,000-man a, a march, you know, a 1,000-man march. And we're inviting churches and masters and synagogues and, and street organizers and everybody mm-hmm. so that we can march on behalf of our families. So, mm. so no, man. I, I, I don't care. I don't care what a person's belief belief is. I don't care what side of the the, the, the political, you know, the political aisle they sit on. I don't care about any of that, man. Can you assist me in helping uplift my community? Right. If you can assist me there, then we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna do well. If you don't have a desire to do that, and I don't care if you black as me, makes a lot like me. I don't care about any of that. If you don't care about justice for all people. We don't have anything in common. We can make salat together, and then that's it. We give salams, and that's it. And we're going to keep moving. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. All right. Let me ask one more one, one more question. You mentioned Tamir Rice. Is his is his memory, is his name still, uh, does it still evoke the type of sensitivity around the criminalization of, of, uh, of black bodies, seeing that he was so young and and the response was so, was so just just so ridiculously inappropriate. Uh, is his is his name still evoked? Definitely, definitely. Okay, all right. Remember his work. I mean, we remember the fact that he, you know, uh, you know we remember the fact that he um, lived a very that he lived a very short life. We remember that, and we and, and, and in case people want to try to forget, we remind them. So, you know, Tamir Rice's legacy will live on mm-hmm. in this group. And, um, and, 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 and I'm fine. And I'm actually on the safety committee okay. for the city of Cleveland. So uh, I constantly remind them of Tamir Rice, but also uh, Timothy Russell and Melissa Williams, who was a, a black couple that Carl was shot into 137 times. You know, and every other black and brown people who were killed unjustly in this country we, we will never let we will never let them forget that yeah okay i have to i have to go back on what i just said i have to ask this um <clears throat> i'd like you to speak to this other point um as we look at um you know major uh, urban centers around the country uh whether we're talking about cleveland or chicago new york la whatever uh when it comes to particularly when it comes to police interaction this dysfunctional relationship uh, that exists more often than not. Uh, one of the things that comes up is the uh, there's a there's an, an admission and recognition that we need not just police um, uh, procedures to be revisited. We need sensitivity and um, you know there 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 are things that have to change on a from a policy uh, on a policy uh, level, but that has to be implemented throughout the rank and file uh, rank and file. Is that something that is also like on the radar that's being worked out uh, in in Cleveland? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you see consent decrees taking place all across the country. In Cleveland, in general, yeah. we have a consent decree that the police department has to follow and abide by. The government, the federal government, has to come in and tell our police department, "You got to do things better. You got to do things in the right way." So yeah, definitely. You know, you you had you had that happening here in the city of Cleveland, and I also sit on that committee as well. Um, but once again, if what well, we have to make sure that we are doing, we have to make sure that we are um, holding people accountable. If you don't hold people accountable, they're going to continue to do what they've always done. So we have to hold people accountable. Keep our making sure. One one gentleman said. He said that there are three B's that would bring black people freedom. The first B is books. You got to know who you are, where you come from, why are you. The second B is bucks. We got to have money, got to have resources in order for us to have economic strength. And the last B is ballots. We have to have people in office that understand our condition, that understand our situation, that understand our struggle. And when, they, we, and when we have that, when we have those three things, it'll bring freedom to a people. Inshallah. Well, Councilman, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us, and we are definitely um, just tremendously uh, proud and inspired by the work you're doing. Please keep it up. Uh, we'll keep you in our du'a, 
keep us and yours. Wallahi, man, I'm so excited, Imam, to, to always to come on here. Thank you for allowing me to speak to my brothers and sisters in Chicago and all across the globe. I just want to say to you, thank you for what you're doing. And, um, you know, to everyone out there, there's a spiritual text that says that that a, that a, that a, that a unrighteous leader, an unrighteous leader will be right above Pharaoh in the hellfire, mm. right above him, mm. an unrighteous leader. But, but the righteous leader, the righteous leader will be right below, will be right below the prophet. Alhamdulillah. So, something that's very important. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. We'll talk to you soon, inshallah. Inshallah ta'ala. Thank you, Imam. Right, thank you. Assalamu alaikum. All right, Radio Islam family. That was Councilman Bashir Jones of the Cleveland City Council, uh, elected last year, the first Muslim elected to the uh, city council. Matter of fact, I believe in Ohio as well. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by the internationally known Omar Reagan. The International Museum of Muslim Cultures and History in Jackson, Mississippi, host a historic national conference in partnership with the National Museum of African American History and Culture, Millsaps College, Tougaloo College, Sound Vision, and with support from the W.K. Kellogg Foundation titled Race, Class, and Religious Intersectionality in America, an Ongoing Struggle for Human Dignity. This is a candid conversation including presentations by over 70 scholars, activists, elected officials, and thought leaders taking up the ongoing struggle for human dignity in the American experiment. The conference takes place September 6th through the 9th at the Western Jackson, located at 407 South Congress Street, Jackson, Mississippi. Registration is $245 for adults or $450 per couple. $170 for students 13 to 21 and children under 13 are free. Register and find more information at muslimmuseum.org. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq El Amin, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. And if you are just tuning in, we're going to let you know that you can keep up with us by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like the page, follow us. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at. So if that's iTunes, TuneIn, Google, Google Play, or SoundCloud, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Okay, folks, this is the moment you've been waiting for, so we're not going to make you wait any longer. Joining us on the phone, right, this wonderful uh, creation that we have, is the internationally known actor, comedian, and director Omar Reagan. He's appeared on television and films along stars such as Cat Williams, Carrie Washington, and Evan Ross. Uh, and he's also founded his own production company, Halal- Halaliwood Entertainment. Welcome to Radio Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Hi, wa alaikum salam. Man, you know, you, you know what? That was beautiful, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, what, a, what a motivating intro. I tell you, I'm, I'm deserving and worthy. Oh, and, of this motivation, man, and I can <laughs> keep pushing it. I appreciate you. How you doing, brother? Oh, alhamdulillah, oh, brother Umar. I am good. Um, 
And I'll tell you, we could have given you more, right? But we wanted to have a conversation with you. So, I mean, we could have just done 20 minutes of of, a, of intro for you. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm, really, no, I'm truly grateful. Hey, may Allah so, keep using this all for good, you know? I mean, I mean. So you you have um you have amassed quite a body of work, um, and you okay. So now you started out not acting, right? Not in right. comedy or directing. You started out on the on the music scene, right? Yep, I did, man. I mean, like, I was like, I went through that whole everything is haram stage. <laughs> right and, and, and like everything is just unlawful you can't do it it's no fun and i was uh as a youngster i was like eight or nine years old i was like man we gotta, this this is boring <laughs> and so <laughs> my pops was trying to help us find something to do because he was also learning and being you know he was teaching us what he was being taught right and uh so he was like, okay, let's go get some pots and pans. And we got some pots and pans out of the kitchen mm-hmm. and then was in the living room feeding pots and pans and making our own songs. Wow. And that is what started saying, okay, if we could do this, then I'm going to I'm gonna make my own song. And I remember my, own, my first song that I've written, it was like I put a lot of work into this song. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to give you a little bit of the, of the song, it was a soccer law, soccer law, soccer law, a soccer law, soccer law, soccer law, a soccer law, soccer law, soccer law. That's the whole song. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was it? Yeah. Okay. That was it. <laughs> I did that for about a good two minutes. It was like, yeah, this is a hit. Talk beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so so before before we had I don't know so okay so originally you you're from Detroit right? Yeah. Okay, so now totally. I don't know if if Detroit has uh, the same thing that we have in Chicago. We have the uh, the, the, the call them the Bucket Boys, right? Um, uh-huh. They will you know they'll be at the uh, at the intersections and they'll pull out you know come out doing you know while you at the red light and they will. Have and they would just beat on their their, their buckets. Oh um, wow! Yes, yeah, like you know the portable drum sets. So those five gallon buckets. So and I mentioned all of that just to say that you all were ahead of the curve. I mean, you all were using uh, pots and pans. Um, you know, <laughs> so you may, maybe maybe you ushered in something that you just don't even know maybe. about. Maybe you know what I like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We were before our time. <laughs> so. So you actually, and I didn't mention this in the in your intro, but you all were really making some waves. Um, tell us a little bit about how that worked out, because you 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 know you performed with some with some uh, some some pretty uh, well known, some very well known folks. Yeah, Detroit. Um, we was really able to make a name for ourselves by being conscious. Mm-hmm. Is what they labeled us, the Conscious Brothers. Right. <laughs> so. Um, we um the our performance it was me and my brother it was that we we had a lot of energy in our performance with which attracted other bookers to say this is definitely a great opening act um for everybody that's coming into town so that that led us to actually being respected and like oh man a krs1 was one to watch us and was like oh man i gotta perform it was like three acts after we performed he was like no I got to perform after those brothers. They got the energy in the crowd. <laughs> and that, and and we went on to do Wu-Tang um, and uh, Royce 5-9. And we was putting on shows with Eminem. Oh, wow. This was before he got the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Detroit was, we was respected in Detroit underground hip-hop. Yeah. The only place yeah. it really matters. Say it one more time. I said the only place it really matters. I mean, yeah, really. that's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. So anybody that's saying something, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So now, how 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 was the transition? Uh, what was your doorway into um, uh, into, into acting and, and and really as a comedian? I think that's that that fascinates me on on, on a few different levels. Um, you know, because a lot of us think we're funny, but then to stand in front of an audience uh, and find out that's a completely different. Uh, completely different you know experience you but, know i agree one thousand percent because i i feel the same way you do and i'm doing it and i'm sitting <laughs> here like that 
this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I I was like the same thing you're saying. I was I'm I'm still saying it to this day. It, it baffled me. I started writing a, a a five minute set about this whole idea that I'm. Who do I think I am standing oh, really? up here in front of y'all, telling y'all stories, and then y'all laughing? Is this what is this really? You guys should be getting paid because y'all my therapist. I'm just trying to talk about it. Right. <laughs> so. I, I was like, I'm fascinated. I was fascinated when we was able to start watching television, mm-hmm. and um, and I said, wow, these comedians and uh, Def Comedy Jam. Um, I started following Def Comedy Jam, mm-hmm. and I just the same thing you just said, brother Tarek. I really found that amazing and fascinating, and but I didn't have the heart to do it myself. Um, but my personality, people kept telling me, you should do it, you should do it, you know, because even in the rap in the rap circle. Mm-hmm. I was known back then as like the puppy of the group because I wanted to make people feel good and, and, and kind of happy. And they used to call me, oh, that's the puppy of the group. When mm-hmm. I was around the rappers, that was, you know, they had lines like, you know, um, bust your head wide open and, you know, <laughs> laugh while you're choking. And they were, I was like, no, that's, I don't feel like that. No, I don't, I don't want to see nobody hurt. <laughs> and they was so, so, but I had the respect. But it was a difference because my brother held up that part of the group, right. definitely. Because if it was just about me, they wouldn't mess with me <laughs> because I'm too nice in my rhymes. But uh, so, but so. you you gave you gave uh, another another approach, a different, it was some balance that you gave. So you all balanced yeah. it out. That's what it sounds like to be. Yeah, it did. It was it was almost really it was it was truly a good balance because they was like, damn, we can't say no. We like how. And the way that I wrote, also, so mm-hmm. yeah. And um, but that's what fascinated me was Def Comedy Jam. And what happened with rap? Yeah, I was tired of not making any money. Mm-hmm. I was like, we are doing these shows, but and everybody is like praising us. And we got on the Battle of the Beats, and um, I was I had a meeting with Universal, um, mm-hmm. and we had a deal on the table with Tommy Boy Records, but it just did not equal any funds. And I was like, I'm tired of this. This is different. Right. So I uh, I started pursuing other, other avenues of entertainment. And I just w- went to an open mic one night saying, I let these people at my coworkers, you know, they pumped me up and was like, you know, you, you're so funny. You should just go up on stage. And I listened to them. And I went and just jumped up on stage and froze. Oh, really? It was a guy in the audience in the front row. He said, you better be funny, MF. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I didn't expect for it to be that type of introduction. Yeah. I thought. <laughs> and I just, and then they started shaking keys and they started booing. And the DJ was like, get, 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 get out of here. And I had to go get off stage. I got booed off stage. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That was horrible. Like, I didn't want to come out because I stayed in the back because I didn't want people looking at me. It was just like, that's that guy who got booed off. <laughs> and, and I don't know what what even motivated me or what. I still can't answer the question of why did I go back up there the very next time, Wednesday. It was every Wednesday. Why yeah. did I do that the very next Wednesday to bomb again? Oh, did you? Booed off st- I did the same exact thing. And then I started trying to lean on my Chris Tucker impersonation while they was while they was booing me off. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> and there was one coworker that came that was like, Let him finish. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was a bad scene. <laughs> hey, but but I have to I have to say well, you know what, since you mentioned it, since you mentioned it, I have to bring it up. Um so you also, and I want to come back to this though, but you you worked with um, with Chris Chris Tucker on Rush Hour. Was it two, right? Rush Hour two, yeah. Rush Hour two. Rush Hour two. Now yeah. the so you you get that quite often. So for those Raiderson family, if you have not seen right, if you don't know who Omar Reagan is, just Google him, and when you see him, you're going to automatically. Yeah, Chris Tucker will come to mind. You you know, it yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm grateful for that. He's a good dude. <laughs> so does that does that still happen? Uh when you're out, do you get people like, Oh man, you know, you you, you look like yeah, Chris Tucker. when I do the voice then mm-hmm. uh you know, I mean people are like Oh, I see you know, it triggers the connection. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I mean I'm grateful for that because that was 
So I was like, uh, watching him gave me a lot of motivation uh, from his Def Comedy Jam set. Yeah. You know, but yeah, and that that was like a boost for me mm-hmm. because he reminded me of me. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that the um, when you went back and you got booed off again, it, did it become easier each time, you know, just kind of to deal with it? Like, okay, yeah, no big deal. No, I quit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, this, this oh, is man. not for me. <laughs> I was like, that was what I needed to experience. I will not do this again. And then it wasn't until uh, I was having a, there was a guy come to Detroit to cast people for a movie. Mm. And I was with him and he said, we're going to meet at a comedy club. And then I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. But it happened that the guy that was hosting, everybody was tired of him, and he wasn't funny. That night, he wasn't funny. Mm -hmm. And he didn't connect. And then so then the guys, these guys that we supposed to be having this meeting, he's like, man, we got somebody real funny with us right now, man. You funny. And he kept saying, that you funny, man. You funny, man. I think you're the funniest dude ever. I was like, no, no, you do not know what has happened to me. I know that I'm not. You think that I am, but I have experience to tell you, no, it's not going to work. And so they, the guy, as I was telling him, no, 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 man, let's just have this meeting. The guy was like, okay, good. We got a comedian in there. Let's come let's bring him on up. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and when I got up on stage, I said, listen, guys, I'm really not a comedian. I'm not. I just needed somebody to talk to. And they laughed. <laughs> I was so sweet. It was a that's a great. That's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They laughed. They just laughed. I was like, oh. That was my first laugh. And then after that, I realized that I didn't know what to talk about. My problem wasn't being afraid of standing up on stage in front of people. My problem was I didn't have confidence in my material because I didn't have any material. So I had to figure out how I had to learn how to write. And I went through all of those different challenges of trying to find what I think people would think is funny as opposed to just being myself. So I had to go through that whole transition. When I left, Detroit. I um, I went when I went to L.A. Then I did a six-week comedy writing um, at the uh, community college. Oh wow! To give me some ideas. Yeah. Okay. And and that was sixty bucks too. I was like, oh, it can't beat that. (laughs) I mean, you can't. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, as a writer, because like like I said, there's been this uh, this constant, um. I don't say transition, but, but, you know, you have expanded. There's been a constant expansion of, of you as a, uh, as a creative. Um, and you have now, well, not just now, but I mean, you talk about your film work and everything, but you are creating, you're writing, you're doing your own productions. And could you talk to us a bit about, uh, about that process? That, that, that kicked in after I was continuously going after roles. I I had got tested with the whole, um, I, I did in 2006, I done this show called Fight for Fame. And that show was like a American Idol today for actors. I won the show. I signed the contract. So they were supposed to make me famous. Mm-hmm. And so they had me set up to do all of the black shows, uh, Eve, All of Us, and Girlfriends as a recurring role on each one of those that they their goal was we're going to make you famous the Mm -hmm. problem was when i got the script the character was a down low brother Mm. right and so i was like i don't want to play the homosexual down low brother. but no he's not flamboyant at all they were really selling me on it because you don't look gay you don't even have to act gay but you're gay and i was like that is not what i want to do i don't want to start my career i don't want to you know, I was talking to them in that sense, like, I don't want to start out my career like that and be all, you know, trying to speak a language I thought that they would understand. Truth is, I didn't want to do it. Right. Um, right. So they was like, oh, what? and I was like, I wasn't blaming it on my religion. I wasn't blaming. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. And so they got upset with me and wouldn't allow me to audition for anything else for a couple months to come back with another audition. It was for cold case on CBS, 
which is a big deal because it's a TV credit. But they told me to come dressed in character, and the character was a transsexual. So I didn't accept wow. that role either. And then they just cut me off, and I had I was just out there by myself. I had to go back and wait tables mm-hmm. um, because I couldn't get any more auditions. So those are the, the different things that happen to make me say you know what i gotta we got i gotta start writing my own because this is ridiculous yeah. from there i i got called in i got a new representation mm-hmm. just took a liking to me management and then he also did the same thing like i know you're doing your muslim thing but dude you got to be dirty i can get your own comedy central special you got to be dirty so though, we ended up parting ways but before we did he got me the movie with carrie washington Mm-hmm. Now, I, I felt a little guilty because I was calling myself having some morals, mm-hmm. right? But when, they call, when I got the call for the, for the audition for the, this guy was a crackhead, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> was, and they were confused. You're going to take the crackhead, but you wouldn't take the homosexual. I said, like, yeah, yeah, it's hard to explain. <laughs> hey, substance abuse is real. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the story was about how crackheads are, you know, they live day to day. So I took that role and plus it was with Kerry Washington. But the movie didn't go big. Mm-hmm. And then I took the other smaller role with Cat Williams in Internet Dating. Yeah. Um, and I did another film uh, called 513, which got released overseas. Another, and then another movie with Master P, Black Superman, with Michael Blackson and all these comedians and Ronaldo Ray before he passed away. Yeah. And I was like, man, after that, and the, um, two by two, I went for Hodge in 2007, and it just was giving me a different perspective on what I really wanted to do. Like, I was, I had, like, I was thinking about so much stuff after seeing what I've seen in Hodge, and I was like, man. I was like, it wasn't a lot of black representation at Hodge, but the black representation, black American representation that we had was amazing. And I was like, man, we really need to highlight this. Like, this is a a brother named uh, Suleiman who studied in Syria and did, he's been doing Hodge called Hodge Pro. Oh, Imam Suleiman Hamid. Yes. Yeah, man. And I was so amazed. I was like, this, if we need, people need to know that you do this. This is amazing. And so all of these things was playing, a, um, and then my father was playing a role in creating our own stories. And my father was killed and I, uh, in 2009, and it just said, I, we got to, we, all of it kind of connected. 2008, I went back for Hodge mm-hmm. and again the very next year. Um, this was all leading up to it. 2008, I went back behind. I said it a little bit out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they interviewed me on Al Jazeera, and, and that's when I was in the Muslim market. Only with all in, the, I was getting invited by every immigrant organization around the world. Because mm. the story was from Hollywood to Hodge, and this guy was in the film with Chris Tucker, and we want, we want to know your story because we don't meet Muslims out of Hollywood. Right. And from there, I was like, wow, I started seeing Muslims. And I still had the same scare with comedy in a Muslim crowd because my first my first laugh in an all-Arab crowd was, I said, you know, it's funny how you guys have brought me here to do comedy, and y'all really not known for y'all humor. Mm-hmm. And they laughed. <laughs> I was really serious. Like, I don't even see y'all laughing. Right. Even I'm talking about at the mosque or anything like. Uh, so yeah, there, there there's some brothers that like you would you would never know they had teeth. It's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so true. So I told, I started then I started writing jokes about that and said so how can I change it? How can I represent what Islam really truly is? Because if the prophet is known to laugh and you would see the back of his teeth, how can I put that inside of a joke? Mm-hmm. How can I change what they've been indoctrinated with? Because now after the years, I was also had indoctrinations myself that I had lost all those indoctrinations by being in Hollywood. So, mm-hmm. so I was like, man, it really forced me to go back and study 
go back and read and understand because I, I didn't want to blame anything on being Muslim. I needed to know why I would be making the decisions I would be making. And so then all of that led me into, all of it combined, it led me into saying we are creating our own and we're going to make our own stories and we're going to make a, a, a movies that will represent all of us worldwide. Of course, I, was, I wanted the black narrative mm-hmm. as a Muslim because we don't have that. And then also, I was like, oh, you know what? Philippines don't have it neither. Mm. <laughs> and, the, and the Arabs only got one-sided story. Right. And, the, and then, the, I mean, as I was thinking about this, to be honest with you, I said, wow, this is a gold mine. Yeah. This is worth so much money. <laughs> Why you, I'm trying to, I was like, I'm trying to get in with these guys. And you got Muslim world. The, the Muslim world is bigger than Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, it is. So why aren't we doing this? So I started, I was like, that was it. I was so motivated, man. And I was, I went to an event. They invited me to an event. They called it Halaliwood. They spelled it a little different than me. And so I was like, it was some students. I was like, guys, what are you doing with this name? Mm-hmm. They was like, nothing. We just do our event. I said, like, hey, I want that. So they was like, they got the board. It was like, hey, Omar Regan says, oh, that's an honor. Omar Regan, you really like that? I was like, yeah, go ahead, take it. It's great. I was like, thanks, because that's my story. And I don't think they, they, they didn't think nothing of it. I think maybe because I was black. They didn't think that I was, <laughs> that that I was actually going to turn it into something. Right. They was like, oh, yeah, go, go, let him, yeah, go ahead, brother. That's fine. Oh, yeah. They mentioned it every now and then. Wow, we were the first. It's like now it doesn't feel like that, sir, because <laughs> Hollywood is incorporated. Trademark. <laughs> Hollywood. That's right. Hollywood is trademark, <laughs> incorporated, and is streaming. We have one movie, but we're working. We have subscribers, and we're streaming our one movie as we continue to uh, work on budget of securing more content for Hollywood. So, so, so what's yeah. the movie? What's the movie that's, that's streaming? The, the movie that we're streaming now is American Sharia. It's starring myself and Baba Ali, along with a lot of the Muslim YouTubers that you see today, uh, Adam Saleh, Sheikh Akbar, Yaz Afaz, all of this. She's a hijabi fashionista. Uh, and that movie is also starring, starring Eric Roberts. We got Eric Roberts inside of this film. Julia um, Roberts' uh, brother? Yep. Yeah. Okay. He played the uh, um, the Islamophobic cop. He's a good villain. Um, and, yeah, and we took this movie to to the Cannes Film Festival, mm-hmm. um, and we screened it twice at the Cannes Film Festival, and then I got invited to the Gothenburg Film Festival, and um, I've got great reviews. They actually had a in the, in the Gothenburg Film Festival. They had a screening at a mosque, mm-hmm. one of the big mosques in Sweden. This is in Sweden. And they uh, they had invited the rabbis, the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians as the interface. It was like 450 people there, and uh, they all watched this. We all watched the movie together, and they, they I was like, wow, this is different. I was shaking hands with the rabbis. It was like, yes, they want to take a picture with you. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> look at here. So, right, that's yeah. awesome. So that kicked it off. So people can, um, so people can subscribe. For yeah. Halaliwood, where at? Where do they go? They go to halaliwood.com. So it's halal, H-A-L-A-L-Y-W-O-O-D, halaliwood.com. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. So, so what is your, do you have a particular um, timeline or objective right now with Halaliwood? Um, you know, anything yeah. that maybe other artists uh or, or just the just the, the the consumers, just the public might want to know. Our goal, honestly, and what we are doing is we aim to make Halali what the platform for Muslims worldwide to either to be in a position where they can submit their stories as screenwriters, they can act, they can produce if they have funds, they want to back a project, they can direct if that was also their dream. And mm-hmm. uh, that's we need our own hub, uh, our own. And you don't have to worry about men and women um, 
doing it. We're not selling any sex. We're not doing all that. We're just telling great stories so that now you don't have to worry about children seeing things that shouldn't be seen. You, you can always watch all of these films with a family. Uh, provided that we had to have some action. So, you know, right. I mean, if, I don't know, would you like, you know, gunfire or, you know, <laughs> uh, explosions, but yeah. But all the other subliminal messages that we receive, you know, and all the other TV programming and on our cartoons, we don't have none of that. That's not our mission. Our mission is to promote unity, um, tell the, who the bad guy is. And the bad guy is always a, a person that has the attributes of a narcissistic, arrogant, um, like those, those are the traits. So no matter what. You mean like our, like our president? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, that's I'm a good one. Yeah, that's I'm something like that. Yeah. <laughs> then then hmm. those would be the traits that the, any race would have, and he would be the bad guy. Hmm. So um, that's our intention, and we're so excited. We just received the script from the U.K., from mm-hmm. a young Muslim, her first ever. She was so motivated, like, oh, my God, this is here, and she submitted her script through Hollywood. So from there, like, that's, those, these are our goals to empower us. Mm-hmm. worldwide with our stories and she's in the uk and she's not black mm-hmm. and so i'm like hey we want to come there and tell your story right because the goal is alhamdulillah i'm grateful lost one dollars left us with the lead but the goal is to oh you know empower just empower muslims with being able to tell a narrative besides the narrative that they have in mainstream media today about muslims so right that's our goal that's where we are well, that is uh, that is awesome, and uh, Radio Islam family, you heard it here, Halali Wood. What's this? Halaliwood dot com, right? Yep, Halaliwood dot com. Right. And what I've been telling people, brother Tariq, is because we have one movie, they mm-hmm. can subscribe. They can subscribe to watch American Cherry at nine ninety nine, but then turn off the auto renew switch. You know, because some people go, "Oh, we get charged again. We already seen the movie." Listen. Yeah. A lot of people are staying subscribed to support us with nine ninety nine, but we don't ask for people to do that. Our goal is right now we have a heat, uh, a series, original series that we're producing called Hijabi in the City. That's a story empowering our sisters. We have another film, Faithful Neighbors, um, which is an imam, a rabbi, and a pastor who are neighbors, but they can't stand each other until an atheist moves on the block. I can't wait. Um, to, I cannot wait to watch that. <laughs> Right. We I'm have, so serious. We have we have uh, another series that we're filming in uh, South Africa called Mob Justice. It just takes us a little bit longer to have the to have the content completed because the budget of creating the content is a, is a little is a little more than what we have at the moment. But we just chuckle in the way and we just keep on moving. And alhamdulillah, we will put a lot of marketing dollars into Halaliwood after we have maybe three series. Uh, we have a cartoon um, being completed, and then we have a few films. And then alhamdulillah, we're opening it up for everyone else to submit their films and everything. So well, that's our goal. Well, that is awesome. Keep us in the loop because we want to uh, we want to repeat this good news. Um, no, I'll thank you. I'll yeah. So, yeah, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, Brother Omar. We really appreciate you taking the time. Know you are ripping and running. So, uh, so it, it yeah, means... I appreciate you too, Brother Tariq, man. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing your platform. May Allah keep blessing you, increasing you with numbers and numbers of so many more listeners. And yes, I'm so sir. looking forward to doing a beautiful show with you sooner than later. Yes, because, sir. You know, I, 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 I like what you say. I like what you do. I'm a fan, and I'm like, hey, I, I need to be on the film with this brother. So Alhamdulillah. <laughs> it's mutual. <laughs> <laughs> All right, beloved. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> All right. Wa alaikum salam. All right, Radio Islam family. That was the internationally known Omar Reagan, uh, actor, comedian, director, founder of Halaliwood Entertainment. Um, as you heard, you can go to halaliwood.com, should go to halaliwood.com, right? We're not making any bones about it, being right, real direct and clear for you. Uh, and see the movie, right? See the movie, American Sharia. Okay, 
We're going to go ahead and say our goodbyes. It's time to shut it down. We'll thank our engineer over at WCEV. We thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. Uh, we're your producers, uh, he and I. Uh, this is your host, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of the Sound Vision Foundation. All right, we're going to leave you now as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.